0: There it is. Nothing like that. But, uh, audio problems on a podcast. Just right off the bat, it's the very first, the very first thing, right? Hello, folks. There we go. There's the beginning of the show. Welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange
2: Podcast.
0: I am Charlie Burris here, as always. With my co-host and Tennessee writer for A to Z Sports, Zach Reagan, wherever you listen throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to us regularly, make sure that you go over to the uh, A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify, and subscribe. If you subscribe, you won't miss an episode when we drop them on Mondays. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT on Twitter, at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports.com. For everything that Zach and I write, and with all the academics out of the way, Zach, right before we came on, we got some news to talk about. It's actually nice, because usually we do this show... And we'll post it, and then 20 minutes after we post it, some monumental news drops. And then our episode is instantly irrelevant, and that's always fun. But thankfully, today, Tennessee was kind enough to give us that news right before we recorded. Uh, But it is bad news. Unfortunately, uh, specifically for Tennessee basketball, forward Olivier Kamwa is... uh, I I guess the way that it was phrased, expected to be out for the season. He's having ankle surgery. He hurt his ankle, went out for the remainder of the game after he went down pretty early against South Carolina uh, with that ankle injury, and turns out he's going to have to have surgery. It's essentially going to end his season. This is a tough, tough loss, and unfortunately, we have to talk about it right off the top here because it is the biggest news of the day for Tennessee. But Zach, I'll start off. What's up, man?
2: Uh, I feel like I'm partially responsible for this bad news because I was kind of doing, uh, not really a victory lap, but I was I was talking a little bit of junk about Auburn, uh, kind of being <laughs> being the disaster which we we'll get to, and and Michigan, because uh, Michigan there is you know their coach pulled pretty much pulled a Rick Barnes, except he did not get the offer. He yeah. thought he was going to get the offer there, Jim Harbaugh, and then he he has to go back to Michigan and, and proclaim it's where he where he wants to be and that he's never going to go look for another NFL job ever again and then he loses his offensive coordinator to Miami so I was kind of uh it was kind of fun seeing some other programs implode in the way that Tennessee usually does and then of course this happens
0: that was a tough look for for all Arbaugh having to come back to Michigan and be like I want to be Wolverine for the rest of my life even though 20 minutes ago I wanted to be the coach of the Vikings on,
2: I'm back on <laughs> <laughs> interviewing on National Signing Day. I mean, that's
0: oh, what you can't do yeah, that. He thought whole,
2: there's a whole. He lot
0: was like he was expecting to get that job. That's got to be the biggest gut punch. You, I mean, obviously, if you're gonna go interview on National Signing Day, <laughs> I mean, one of the big, arguably, like I guess the the early signing day is the big one, but they sort of go hand in hand. I mean, recruiting is yeah. the thing in college football. Now it's so huge. So just a massive part of the whole thing. And for you to go and interview on national signing day, he thought he was getting that job. And just to probably have the, you know, I, we, we've all, we've all gotten it. Look, we're, we thank you for your time. We're moving in another direction. We're, we're, We're going to uh, continue with other candidates at this time. (laughs) That's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. How
2: how do you feel if you're a Michigan fan? I mean, it's, like I said, it's kind of similar to what Ritt Barnes did with UCLA, but not totally. Ritt Barnes, that that was one specific job. And and UCLA is a storied program. You kind of understand the infatuation with it, given, you know, Ritt Barnes and and just his history as college basketball and what college basketball means to him. If you if you look at it objectively, you, you understand that a little bit. But Harbaugh, I mean, he was he was talking about maybe going to the Raiders, uh, the Dolphins, kind of flirting with them, where he's got a relationship with the owner, and that was a uh, kind of a thing there for a little bit. I mean, he he wanted out of Michigan, and there was just no other option. So, okay, I'm back. I mean, how how excited can you be about that?
0: He had to have just been thinking. I I reached. I reached as far as I'm going to reach one big 10 finally yeah, Ohio it. state. I did the I thing. Did it. I, yeah, I, he had to have been thinking I did the thing there. Here you go, Michigan. I did what you wanted. Yeah. I didn't get a national championship, but I got one game next to it. And he said, thank you. I'm out. And, uh, it's a little awkward. <laughs> That's rough, uh, for him. And then later, later in the show, I mean, we, we weren't, scheduled to talk about uh, Harbaugh. We are gonna break down the whole Auburn thing because it is, let's be honest, hilarious. So uh we'll we'll end the show with that with a little bit of that what is ultimately at least to us as Tennessee fans frivolous talk. Um but back to Kamwa basketball. This blows so much because first of all he's really starting to round into form had some had some really nice games lately. He's become a real force on defense. He's he's really good at getting his hands uh, on the basketball on the defensive side. It, it become a really good shot blocker. And then he's actually becoming pretty decent on the offensive end. He was actually, I looked, strangely, Tennessee's highest percentage three-point shooter this season. 44% on the season. He was very judicious with the threes that he took and really only took them when he was wide open, which that always helps. But uh, had had really kind of added that little piece to his game where he became a, a threat from outside and then was getting He's still he's a little rough dribbling the basketball, um, you know, just he didn't have. It's tough to be as smooth, but, you know, it, it wasn't there. With like the Grant Williams smoothness where he could just make these beautiful moves in the paint, but you could you could see the potential of like, oh, he's getting there. He's getting there a little bit. I like I like this and that's tough it's a tough tough loss and to lose anybody i think he was averaging eight eight ish a game 8 i'd have to look back at his exact stat line again but it's tough loss man at an unfortunate time
2: well just you lose him plus you just kind of lose the chemistry that you've built where this over the last month really month and a half uh well last month it's really felt like the team's kind of come together. I mean, they'd won five SEC games in a row. Your one loss is against Texas, and that was, you know, one point could have went either way. Tough road game, tough environment. Um, You know, you don't really – that loss is what it is. So, I mean, they're, they're playing really well. People are like, all right, you know, Zaki Ziegler, everybody's starting to, to notice that kid where maybe maybe he's the, the star of the tournament type player. I mean, that's what he reminds me of, this player that kind of burst onto the scene nationally in the tournament all the ingredients were there for this Tennessee team to really have some momentum going into March and now you worry about you know how much will this impact that momentum how big of an impact does it have on this team uh what 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 does Rick Barnes do with the rotation now does he you know go with a smaller lineup on the floor how does that affect how they've been playing do they take a step back that that's where I worry I think unless Rick tries to
0: take sort of a page out of like Jay Wright's book, Villanova, where you just put almost all small guys on the floor. I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily see a way around doing something like playing Jonas. I do now that like you're going to have to pull in some guys for minutes that you weren't planning on, on pulling in Eurosh is going to have to play more, um, which he's improved a ton. This mm-hmm. season, but improved a ton for Euros because still kind of makes him a mid-level kind of player. And and so, yeah, it. I think you hit the nail on the head there. That's the toughest thing, is that it was really coming together. This South Carolina game might have been best game of the season. On honestly, it probably was maybe that the UNC game. You just had a couple of these where you just were clicking on every single cylinder. And that's that's really tough. Now, granted, in this South Carolina game, they actually did all of the clicking on all cylinders without uh, come <laughs> So it was almost all entirely in the second half. And he went out before the second half even started. So, uh, you know, take that as you will. He was a valuable piece, though. I, I looked eight point six points a game. He was your leading shot blocker at over one a game. Uh, and then was actually, I was actually a percentage point short. He's a 45% three point shooter. Um, and so that just, that's a void that's going to be left for you. Hopefully they, they can pull it together. Cause yeah, man, some of these, some of these pieces that are like the Kai Ziegler dude is just the energizer bunny out there, bringing bringing the electricity. I love it so much. And then, you know, you, you just take this shot like that. And you just go, ah, like it looked like we were cooking. And so hopefully, hopefully they take it and can still, still be good. Cause you are, yeah. I mean, you, that, that's five, five SEC wins in a row. Is that correct? Is that what you said yeah, there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: They, you know, their last loss was to K- T- Kentucky in the SEC plus the loss to Texas. So they were, yeah they were rolling. They hadn't lost a conference game since the middle of January. Um, this game against Mississippi state feels like a huge game road game. Mississippi State's capable of winning that game. You know, Tennessee's way better team, but that's one that right before the Kentucky game, after this injury news, it feels like kind of like a trap game to me.
0: If they don't come mentally prepared, I could absolutely see um, having a tough time at, at the hump, as I uh, recall it is called down there in Starkville. I've been, actually been there a couple of times. It, it used to be one of the toughest places to play in the entire SEC. But since Rick Stansbury left, it's just not the not the same, unfortunately. But uh, also, they don't have players getting into fights with each other in the stands at uh, tournament games anymore. So maybe Mississippi State is happy about that. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, it's a big game. It's an important game that. I don't want to say it's an inflection point, but I think it could be a real indicator as to how the rest of the season could go. If you can continue building and being not just as good, but better than you've, you've been uh, because it is a road game. I mean, you're really going to have to bring it. If, if you can continue that momentum, I mean, you're playing right at the right time. That's, and that's everything. That's everything in college basketball. It's been the knock on Rick Barnes for always, is that his teams in the regular season? Oh, you're you're killing it and then they fizzle out at the end. You want to see, you know, a guy like Josiah Jordan James right now. I, I actually am planning on uh releasing a little a quick little write up about him uh, in the next couple of days, where it kind of looks like he may be finally, finally, uh in his third year, maybe rounding that corner a little bit and becoming the guy you want him to become. And if you add all those pieces together, maybe adding all those pieces together makes up for the loss of Kamwan. Uh, or it throws off the chemistry and the stuff flies off the tracks. We'll just have to see. But uh, hopefully everything continues in the correct direction. Do, uh, do, you, uh,
2: do you think this team, uh, the way it's currently constructed, and based on the other teams out there like Baylor and Auburn, I mean, do you think this team can make a Final Four run if everything goes right? Do you think they're talented enough?
0: Yes, I absolutely do. Now you have to they may be in a position where they have to get the correct draw. Like you look back a couple of years ago when they lost to Loyola Chicago in the tournament, I think you would have played Kansas state in the elite eight and you just look and you go, we had a way better team than Kansas state, but that was the draw that came up. Kansas state had a big upset. I don't remember who they beat. Um, but something like that. And and you just would have gone into that elite eight game, the the far superior team. And sometimes the draw just pops out that way and you get favorable matchups and Loyola Chicago ultimately beat them and moved on to the final four. And so I think it may take some of that where maybe like the number one seed you were going to have to face gets knocked out before you play them. Maybe something like that. Although I feel like Tennessee, at their current trajectory, they're they're not going to play the one seed in the Elite Eight. They would play the one seed probably in the Sweet 16, because they're probably going to be a five, six somewhere in there. I don't think that you're going to be like a two seed. Um, mm-hmm. that just that's not you that's that train has passed already at what six losses now. Unless you um, just
2: win out and win the SEC tournament.
0: Yeah, if if they didn't lose, because you would have some really sweet wins. Yeah. Um through all of that, you would beat Kentucky. You would beat Auburn uh, in that, so you'd have a win over two top five teams on the way out. And then if you won the SEC tournament, I mean, yeah, okay. At that point, you probably you would probably get a two seed. I think almost no matter what you do, a one seed is gone. Um, but that would be a pretty phenomenal hint yeah, to the season. Yeah. <laughs> I I think uh, we don't don't count those eggs. You gotta you also gotta go to Arkansas. Who they're playing really nice right now, like the that would be,
2: I mean, and that an at actual Georgia finish. game, that at Georgia game suddenly is kind of interesting the way they almost knocked off well, Auburn.
0: So I I even said this on Saturday morning. Got kind of a group chat with some some friends of mine, and we were just talking about the games of the day and like betting on them and some stuff like that. And I was like, I don't know, Auburn's like not playing incredible right now. They're they really having slow starts in games. And actually, weirdly, that game was the exact opposite. They came out blasting Uh, and they were up pretty big in that game. And then just the wheels flew off against Georgia. It, it was actually on during the Tennessee game. So I only saw it in retrospect. I saw the score all the way through and Auburn was up big at the beginning. Then it got closer and closer and closer and closer. And Georgia actually had the lead right there at the end. Um, But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just think forever. Bruce is not a guy that's going to beat you with X's and O's. He never was at Tennessee. He never has been at Auburn. And it's those guys that always scare me. Where you go, they're definitely going to blast their way through March. We'll see those guys at the Final Four, for sure. Like a Jay Wright. He just, he's that dude jay rick patino was always that way where you just go man he's a great he's just a great in game except against like john calipari kentucky for some reason had a total mental block against them but um you know just some some coaches like that where you just go he will outcoach you bruce is not that guy he just lets his dudes play and he puts great talent on the floor um whether he obtained that talent legally or <laughs> by illegal means whatever it may be uh and so that is always going to kind of chase them where they're going to have these weird games like that. Um, and so I, I'm not saying that they're suddenly beatable. The talent on that team is excellent. They're very good. They have probably the best player in America, Jabari Smith, on their team. Uh, and that's, that's going to carry you really far no matter what happens. But that, that element that always hangs out there with them, to me, in, in my analysis is that there's always a chance they're going to have an off game. Like they have that off game against Tennessee. Tennessee would have won that game by 15. You know, if they have that game in Thompson bowling arena in a couple weeks, that's, that's an not an easy win for Tennessee, but a win nonetheless. And so, you know, just just my two cents there. You you stack up, like, him against, like, Scott Drew. Like, I think Scott Drew is a better Baylor for the people who don't watch <laughs> college basketball habitually like you and I do. I mean, he's um, been there for how long now? Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, his brother was the coach at Vandy. Um, but, yeah, and he won a national championship last year. Surely. Except I don't know. Did, be, did people actually walk? Well, it kind of feels like... Know. <laughs> it kind of feels like a lot of people I talk to don't watch college basketball like closely, but anywho, um, but yeah, like Scott drew, like that's the next is O's, dude. He'll come, he'll come correct. And he can beat you that way, even though they're not playing great right now either. But, um, I, I just think that element is out there for Auburn this season. Just my, my personal take on that team extreme. They can out talent you. It's, it's kind of like Georgia football this season. Except I think, Relat- relatively speaking, Georgia football could way out talent you. Where this Auburn team, they can out talent you for sure. They're more talented than Tennessee. Um, but it's closer. It's way closer yeah. with a whole lot of other teams. I mean, case for in sure. point, they almost lost to an absolutely garbage Georgia
2: team. Yeah, you know, is what it is. Uh, uh, it's a tough stretch coming up. So it's gonna yeah. be uh it's. Know
0: this is a a season defining stretch right here. Mm -hmm. You know, you just, you got should be two wins in a row miss at Mississippi state, which I think is gonna be a tough win, but should be a win. Uh, Vandy at home should definitely be a win. And then Kentucky at home. Another one that, you know, quote unquote should be a win. It's Kentucky at home. You historically Rick has not lost that game. Um, no matter how good Kentucky is. And then at Arkansas, that's, that's where it it gets real tough.
2: Yeah. Speaking of Vanderbilt, I, f- I feel like they might have broke Will Wade at LSU oh. at this point. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, because the Wills have kind of fell off there with the LSU. I mean, they were 15-1 and one at one point, I think. They've lost five out of whatever. I, I'm not sure. But Will Wade seems like he's throwing a new tantrum every single day. Um, today he was going on about how he recruited too many big guys. And it's, I guess, something they'll get fixed next year. And I don't know. He's just seems like he's having a complete meltdown in front of us over these last few weeks. And it's great because I think LSU is probably just going to switch up and be like, you know what? You did make illegal offers to law first of players. So maybe we will fire <laughs> you with calls.
0: That's what I was going to say. This is when all of that starts coming out finally. He won enough. To keep that away.
2: I've never understood the infatuation with him at all.
0: I mean, he is a bad season away from getting fired with cause because they have all the cause they need. It's sitting right there. Uh, You know, case in point with what Auburn's doing right now, schools are not afraid. And what Tennessee did last year. Again, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, schools are not afraid to use that stuff against you the second things turn south. And... Will's time might be coming. I, I don't know. He's been good for long enough that I bet they give him, him the benefit of the doubt for this season, right? He seems unhinged. He seems like a crazy person <laughs> to whatever yeah. extent. Uh, But how much does that weigh in where you go like, okay, he gave us some really great seasons, some incredible recruiting classes. We know this guy can coach. How much grace do you give him? But yeah, the wheels are flying off a, a rough loss to Vandy this week. So it's honestly fun. Oh, fun yeah. to watch. I I can't lie. The guy is he's very getting what unlike, he I
2: mean, very very such an unlikable person. I don't so know much. A, I mean, I don't know if there's a more unlikable coach. Just if you take everything who they coach for and all that stuff out of the equation, uh, I don't know if there's a more unlikable coach than him. I mean, I'm sure some people will say uh, Calipari just because of Kentucky, but if you take that out of the equation, I don't think you'd feel that way. He, Weirdly, he can, be, he can be charismatic.
0: I I used to hate Cal Calpar way more, but he like he does a ton of like charity work, and his players seem to really like him. I
2: I don't know. I Will I Wade end just up has no charisma, no just
0: nothing. Like Calipari, obviously oh, it's Kentucky. Just yeah, he can screw off at the end of the day. But like, dude, Will Wade, it is rough i so unlikable so unlikable and they they have really relished lsu has really relished in the well he's super unlikable but we're we're gonna beat you and now they're getting beat and lsu fans are kind of like okay we can't I mean, we can't have been, a football coach dancing on tiktok and this guy on the sidelines
2: you know yeah. that's a tough scene he uh i mean he's said he he's been decent for them but it's not like he's been just blowing people away still you know the teletubby shaped guy that's over there just hanging out (laughs) on you know sidelines there that's true let's let's see so 18 and 15 wait you're doing one sweet 16 maybe is that is that all he's done
0: that's as far as he's gone in 19 his first season into the sweet 16 uh and then the covid and then the second round uh, last year and then now, but they went 19 and 10. So, like, honestly, with what's left on the schedule, they're probably having a pretty similar year to last year, but it just seems way more spectacular this season because these tantrums he keeps having.
2: Well, between that seems- and then all the NCAA stuff, I mean, they suspended yeah. him at one point. It's like, we're sticking by this guy. I mean, why, you know, why they have more on him than they ever had on Bruce Pearl. So, you know, why could Tennessee have just fought the same way LSU has and just said, screw you, NCAA, we're just going to do what we want to do? It's
0: what they should have done. They really, I don't know if that's something we want to rehash here. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's something that I am, because it was my first year in college when all that went down. And it's something I'm still pretty bitter about because I only got one year of Bruce. Uh, as, a co- as a college student, obviously, I went to a ton of games during his entire tenure but actually being able to be like, you know, courtside like the students are and have all of that crazy energy and everything. And it was rough Somebody. after that. I'm still bitter about it. And I and I'm not even I'm not a bring back Bruce guy. Bruce is gone and forget yeah, yeah, forget yeah, yeah. it. Forget it. He's never coming back. And I don't and honestly there are coaches if Bruce was willing to come back in Tennessee had a vacancy I'm not taking Bruce back. There are coaches I would take before him. Personally, and that's another that's a different thing if you want to unhash that but uh like that's to the point where i'm at and i am still i'm bitter about the way all that went down i really
2: more than more than anything with him more than the results i mean there were some good teams but you know his last couple years weren't spectacular it's not like he was just tearing it up every single year it was just the energy and just what he brought i mean somebody posted i think on twitter a couple of weeks ago a video of him and pat summit Uh, talking at like halftime of a football game and it was it it sent me down the whole rabbit hole of reliving everything that happened because it's been so long ago and you forget the order of kind of what happened uh, as far as the infamous barbecue and the photo and and the the bump the bump rule and all that stuff that that went down uh it, it yeah i mean it was just the energy it was infectious that i think is what people miss more than the actual teams i yes. mean they remember that part that's watching
0: watching bruce i mean one of my best memories as a tennessee fan just one that really sticks out to me in my whole history as a tennessee fan is being a student during that year and we stood out in the cold me and a group of friends before the kentucky game I stood out in the cold for however long 3 4 longer hours i don't totally remember all the specifics and bruce came out there with a bunch of donuts and hyped us all up gave us food and got you know like got up on like a trash can or something was like we're gonna go beat the hell out of the cats you know and did get got everybody hyped up and it just is like You know, it's a cold day in hell before Rick Barnes would do something like that. It's just not who he is as a person. Uh, And, you you know, you miss stuff like that, and now he's doing that same stuff at Auburn. Um, Yeah, All those videos keep coming out where all the Auburn uh, students are lined up outside the arena, and he's going out there hyping them up and doing all that stuff. It's like, ah, I miss that. There's a lot of value in that. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of value in that. Like, do I think that Bruce Pearl is a whole head and shoulders better than Rick Barnes? I, I don't. Rick Barnes got us the number one, exactly like Bruce Pearl is doing right now. Bruce made a final four. That's one thing, but he didn't win a national championship. You know, that's, that's the one, the one piece that he has over Rick at the moment. But like, I, am I just like, oh, Bruce was so freaking better that I, we got to have him back. No, but there's so much value in a coach that's hyped like that, that brings that energy because it. I mean, bottom line, I don't know how much the administration cares about this, but it sells tickets, man.
1: You get people in the door. It's,
2: it's hard to find because you can't fake that. It has to be organic. No. You look at Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri, he is trying to manufacture that same type of deal as Bruce Faking Burrell. it till he
0: gets fired. It,
2: it, <laughs> it is, yeah, it is not working. It's, it's I mean, it is cringeworthy. So, it's it's gotta be a certain type of coach that, that can pull it off and Bruce certainly could. But Rick, you know, Rick is charismatic in his own way. Uh, he's he's just a different type of personality. And you know, I I love Rick Barnes and and who he is as a person and how he comes across and his sense of humor. I mean, there's there's little qualms I have with him about I wish he would take responsibility a few more times instead of throwing it on the players at times, but that you know, that's something we've talked about before. But all in all, I mean, he's a great person, and and I really like what he brings to Tennessee. So it's nothing against Rick Barnes when we praise Bruce Pearl for his energy and and what he brought to Tennessee, you know, 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, absolutely not. It is. It's purely just that thing that is honestly, it's unique to Bruce. Like, there's not a lot of coaches that even do that. There, There are coaches that just win so much that they simply don't need to do any of that at coach K you know people are going to line up to go to Duke games because they win national championships and he makes it the final fours and he did all that stuff he does all that's built in when you do that Rick's like right on the edge if he could be a final four coach all of that would be built in mm-hmm. uh, I think but he's just is just not there if he would win an SEC championship just you know it's right there but he just hasn't done enough um I mean that that number one season. All of those games were sellouts when when Tennessee was number one. That's all you have to do. You be the just be the best team in the country. You know, yeah. <laughs> That's as simple simple as it is. Uh, it's not that complicated.
2: Um, That's our advice to you, Rick Barnes. If you want to make things easier, just be number just one. Be,
0: yeah, be the best team in the country. Why is this hard? Oh, yeah. Well, moving on from that. Well, any any party thoughts uh, about basketball, Zach? Before we.
2: No, it's just—I mean, yeah, I—I I, I really don't know what to expect from this team anymore. Because when I feel down, like they're about to blow it, they end up winning five out of six. And now that we're feeling good about them, who knows what comes next? Wheel, it, wheels are—I re- really, yeah, really. <laughs> Somebody tweeted this. Uh, I can't remember before which game it was. It—I it, can't remember. Uh, but they said, you know, Tennessee could win this game by thirty, or they could lose by five. I, either one is completely believable and i really don't know which way it'll go and that's how i feel every time they play Kinda, it's good tennessee bad tennessee i hate
0: it but it just that you just don't have that consistency you just don't josiah jordan james will drop 20 on you and then he goes five games scoring like two points so that just that's the way that it is so we'll see um i guess i do want to mention quickly man the lady falls uh, oh, 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 I saw we were so a, hyped.
2: I already have seen a fire Kelly Harper. No. Tweet. Yes. And I was like, I, I mean, I hope it was like a troll account or just uh, somebody being stupid on Twitter. I hope nobody really thinks that. But I wouldn't would put it past people.
0: So I, I don't want to give Kelly Harper excuses. They they don't take care of the ball the way they should. They turn the ball over entirely too much and there's some fundamental things like that that should improve but uh they lost one of their best players for the season one essentially their best bench player Kean green um out for the season a torn ACL and it's just been massive because they just have to rely on a set of players with, <laughs> with essentially without a backup um and it's a killer I mean it's it could ultimately be kind of a killer like Olivia Gama might be for Tennessee. I mean, it's just a valuable player going out. They've dealt with injuries all season long, this being the worst, but uh, you know, that just is what it is. Everything took a turn when she went out. I would put it that way. They were playing really well. And then she tore ACL and it's been really rough ever since. So you know, do it that way. You will. That's I'm not firing her yet. That's crazy. And I was oh, on yeah. the, believe me, I was on the fire Holly Warlick train, like year two. <laughs> two yeah, or three was, where yeah. I was just like, ah, cut your losses. This is, you know, but all right. Re- yeah. Come on now. Come on. They played Connecticut. Give me a break. Um, maybe they'll, they'll get it back to you. We'll see postseason, everything like that. That's where it really matters. But, uh, let's talk briefly about this. Don't want to spend too long uh, on this subject, but let's just talk quickly about the situation. Uh, this tangentially has to do with Tennessee, Alvin Kamara, man, getting in some hot water in the NFL. Let's just—I'll—I'll I'll just play. This is the report uh, from from Adam Schefter. This is just the audio of what he said. This is the full breakdown, so I don't have to give it. Here we go.
1: Alvin Kamara has a court date 1:30 local time uh, in Las Vegas. He was released earlier today on $5,000 bond, charged with battery resulting in substantial bodily harm. Uh, the details we have right now are from the Las Vegas police department where they alleged that Kamara and three of his friends uh, got into a fight with a man whose name was Darnell Green coming off an elevator. According to police, what they alleged that Kamara put his hand on Green, Green then pushed it off. And the result was a fight that involved Kamara punching him several times, fracturing his orbital bone, uh, along with other damage that he sustained. And when the man was down on the ground, knocked unconscious again, according to police, uh, Kamara and his friends, proceeded to kick the man before leaving uh that is what we know right now Uh, obviously not a good situation but more details not great uh
0: for tennessee legend alvin Kamara. obviously a guy that we all felt didn't exactly get enough playing time at tennessee thank you butch jones but uh tennessee great nonetheless because he has turned out to be such an awesome nfl player if nothing else um the craziest part of this, I don't I don't know that we would have covered it, but it's an interesting situation, particularly because this happened. And he went and played in the Pro Bowl afterwards. That happened, and then the next day he goes, I don't know, had like six catches in the Pro Bowl or something and played. And uh, then this comes out, and he goes and gets arrested, released on $5,000 bond tough day for
2: alvin man not great yeah there's a lot to digest here with this my first reaction when i saw the news uh sunday night was okay well somebody tried to attack or cost alvin uh in a in a nightclub or something in vegas there's no way that this beloved volunteer who's never really had any off the field trouble did this and, I, uh, you know, there's still a lot of questions to be answered, uh, but it does appear that there's security video that kind of backs up some of what this guy has said, and that's always going to be, you know, that, that could be troubling. And it, I still think it's probably a situation where, you know, maybe people had some drinks, you know how it goes people start kind of mouthing off to each other. And then it turns into a whole melee and who knows what happens. And it sounds like from Kamara's statement that he, he really doesn't fully necessarily remember exactly how it happened or the order of what it happened, or he's not telling the entire truth. I'm not really sure. I mean, he does admit to punching the dude or trying to punch somebody. Um, I think it's the part where they said that he's on the ground and they kept kicking him. I think that's what, if anything does him in that, that could be what does it.
0: So, as you said, this is kind of out of the out of the norm for for Kamara. He never got in trouble
2: at Tennessee that I remember. I don't remember. Uh, and, and I should add uh, to that what you're saying that Josh Smith, former Tennessee volunteer wide receiver, tweeted today. Uh, I think somebody said something similar to what I did is that uh, they assume that the guy had it coming, or or whatever. And Josh Smith said, "Yeah, it takes a lot to make that guy mad." Referencing hmm. Alvin, Kamara. that's so yeah. So yeah, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. Definitely seems out of character for him. Because there, there was only I. I did
0: remember, uh, he because Alvin originally went to Alabama. His five star recruit went to Alabama. He got arrested. I'm actually looking at it here. Running back Alvin Kamara arrested in Georgia in 2014 charged with driving on a suspended license no driver's license safety belts required and then a failure failure to appear according to the report he spent 8 hours in jail and was released on $2,000 bond um that's like the only thing like there's not like a history of of violence or anything so I'd be interested to see the the report uh, to see, and maybe there's, a, am I just stuff? I'm not remembering. I don't know. Not to say that even having a history of that stuff happened, it all, you know, makes this okay or anything like that. But, um, it's just, it's notable. I would say because you have former teammates being like, it takes a lot to make that guy Matt. Here's, here's my, my take. And I say this, it is a serious situation. Someone got hurt and people are in trouble with the law but to kind of make it at least a little humorous, but I'm also serious when I say this, uh, this is why you can't have pro sports in Las Vegas because this is what happens. Las Vegas is awesome. If you have not been, um, it is, it's like Disney world for grownups. Um, I know there are grownups that like to go to Disney world. You are weirdos. Uh, but hey, that, you know, only God can judge you. Um, <laughs> but uh, Las Vegas, there's so much trouble to get in. Henry Ruggs earlier this season. Now, that's just a personal decision. Wynn got blasted, yeah. drove his car. I did. Killed, am I yeah. remembering? Killed oh, yeah. somebody. I mean, it's, I, yeah, killed somebody in a drunk driving accident, lost his entire career. He's done. And, there's just so much trouble to get into there, man.
2: No. I... If, you're, if you're an NFL player and you go out in Vegas, you need to have some sort of security with you. You got to have a, a guy to say no, to be like, mm,
0: maybe we don't need to go do that. Nope, nope, nope.
2: You know? I, I don't know exactly what happened in this situation, but you mentioned it happened on Saturday. Kamara goes and plays on Sunday in the Pro Bowl, Sunday afternoon, um, and then gets arrested after. I mean, it feels like somebody was in somebody's ear and said, "You know who hit you, right?" Like mm. that's an NFL player. A got a pretty big contract. You know, one of the best running backs in the NFL. You know, you you can get. I'm not saying that's what happened, but does it not? I mean, it kind of kind of feels that way. Because why else would he not be arrested on Saturday night? I mean, it happened at 5:50 yeah. Vegas time. That's really the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like it's two o'clock in the morning. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. That just and it seems... doesn't. I
0: mean, he didn't. He didn't like flee. I mean, maybe, maybe they did from the well, he, direct I mean, scene, he, but he, he was on the television. Pro he went to work. Yeah, he was in. He was on television the next day at the Pro Bowl. I
2: mean, it's not like he couldn't be found. What if this is a situation where the guy that got punched saw him on TV? Was like, hey, Hold that's on. <laughs> I recognize that guy. <laughs>
0: I, who knows what the, what the exact situation is, but, uh, that is, man, you be careful in Vegas. Anybody and everybody can get into trouble there. And in a situation like this, contrary to the commercials, what happens there does not stay there. It comes out in the press and Adam Schefter talks about it on sports center. So, um, Mm
2: -hmm. that's, that's a rough night. I, who knows what will actually come of this. It doesn't. I'd say he probably pleads down. Probably, probably will be a civil suit of some sort. No matter, that's what, what. I would expect in
0: the future. And yeah.
2: I bet he gets some sort of suspension from the NFL for for violating the the con, player conduct policy. Yeah, I I bet he he would plead out to probably no jail time, and
0: then you pay what I mean he can pay whatever he has to pay. And well he's, I guess he paid he paid the $5,000 bail. Well there will be a civil fees. suit.
2: There will be And there, I mean if you plead down there's yeah. going to be some sort of like community service or something crazy. Yeah, he'll
0: he'll pay up to that penance, but then yeah, that's civil suit.
2: That's, it's just in that situation you get you get beat up by a rich dude. Well you that's, break I mean you break an orbital bone, that's uh, a, that's, that's a bad. Payday. Yep. It's a, that's an exp- an expensive hospital bill. Uh and there's uh I mean they the way the the injury, the PTSD that's going to go into that. Not to get too legal talk on all that, but that yeah, will they'll... be part of all that settlement. Yeah. Yep. Um.
0: So that that sucks. Not for... good. Not not good. Yeah. yeah. I am not I'm not gonna exonerate anybody. You uh, face the consequences of your own right. actions. But we just talk about it. The, the guy went to Tennessee, and then he had the odd situation where he went and played in the Pro Bowl
2: after it happened. So I thought we would Look, just don't hit on it. If you're an athlete you know you are a target when you go out. I mean, it, it just comes with a job. You, it's, you can say it's not fair. That's true. But that's part of being a celebrity, a professional athlete. You're going to be a target. You have to take extra precautions when you go out, especially in a place like Las Vegas where, you know, the city never sleeps. It's midnight, 24 hours a day pretty much. Um, you have to know that you're, you're going to possibly be in that situation, especially when there's lots of alcohol involved. And – Look, you hate it that way, but that, that that's the life that you kind of chose. It is what yeah. it is and it's not going to change.
0: I I always say this and it pertains to pro athletes and ultra rich people or anybody who's prominent like that, you got to have somebody who will tell you no. You got like you see, mm-hmm. you know, you see like a like Jeff Bezos. That guy hasn't been told no about anything in his life for a decade.
2: No, he went to because space. Yeah, he's
0: the, yeah, <laughs> just, he's the richest he guy to. in the world. What, what are you? What are you going to tell him? No, you can't do that. It costs too much money. There's nothing that costs too much money for Jeff Bate. Like there's, and everybody wants a cut of what he's got going on. The guy's never been told no. The closest it has been is when his wife divorced him and took half his money. You know, and like that's, and just it, it uh it wears on you. It gives you a different mentality. Just never having someone push back and go like, ah, ah, maybe you shouldn't. Do you realize what the public perception will be if you go and do whatever that is, or if you, you know, if we get into a fight here, or if we do what yeah, whatever it may be, you gotta have somebody that'll go, well, well, you know, they they didn't drink on the night out in Vegas. You gotta have a sober person just to hang. Hey, they
2: yeah. make sure they're cool. You know, they they're can probably be part on, of the crew. They're probably on payroll if at that point
0: exactly. They need. I mean, honestly, if you have that much money, they need to be and yeah. just somebody to go like, woo. How about uh, look, we don't do that?
2: None of it's an indictment on Alvin Kamara. I'm not attacking him because if if I had Alvin Kamara money, I would probably need that person too to tell me no. Especially if I, you know, you're that rich and you can do whatever you want to go wherever you want to. I think we'd all, deep down, we know that we need a little bit of guidance.
0: Oh, dude, if I like, I think back, I. In in college, I got an internship my junior year or whatever, and made like paltry less than I do now. <laughs> you know, obviously it was an internship in college, but at the time and it feels like you're making like a million bucks. So I can't imagine actually making a million bucks as, <laughs> at that age. Like some of these kids who are pro athletes make you know five million bucks. In a year at the age of nineteen. And yeah, you're just not, like I would go
2: nuts. Yeah. I'm not one of those that's like, look at this idiot. You gotta know how to manage your money. You should not put yourself in this situation. Man, until you're in that situation, I'm not about I like I know what I would like to think I would do, but it's pro- it's not that simple always. No. I mean, that's that's the reason you see so many rich people kind of flame out and go down dark roads. It's
0: actually this is actually funny made me think of it. So in high school, when I was 17, 16, I don't know. know—this is my first job, whenever it was. First job in high school, I had a friend who was a member at a golf. I won't say which golf course. uh, I'll leave, you know, so the innocent, for the sake of the innocent, um, at a private golf course. And I got this job. Because he was a member there, I got to th- a job as a cart guy because um, he just hooked me up. It was like, hey, I you know the I'm a member. We can get you hooked up, first job, you know, whatever. Um, and that job was based on tips. And people who are members at golf courses are rich and they gave really nice tips. There was actually. Again, I'm not gonna say exactly who this was, but a rich person who is a significant donor to the University of Tennessee um once gave me two hundred dollars on a single a single interaction because he made me stay like 30 minutes past the course closing. I was like, ah, oh, sorry, sorry about your time. Here's two hundred bucks. Like it was like that. So point of all of that being I had more money from that job than everyone else as as a high schooler you know like i just i would make like a decent little chunk of change from these tips uh doing that job um so just note to anybody out there maybe if you're looking for i don't know how young people are that listen to this show uh but if you're looking for a job private golf course based on tips go uh it can be a sweet gig anywho and you know How did, how did, how
2: did you handle that money?
0: Not well, that's, that's where I was getting with all of that. Not well at all. I mean, I, I could have legitimately, I could have saved a nice chunk of money, like for college in the next few years. Could have, could have put a little way, maybe, maybe for a nicer car or something like that or like anything. And I just, I was like. You know, asking girls like we can go on a date to like a really nice place and I can pay. And and then, you know, after high school, we'll never talk again. And I waste all my money and just, you know, like whatever else I spent that money on, like shoes and coats and whatever high schoolers like just dumb stuff. And, yeah, you think like, oh, I would be the smart guy that gets a financial advisor and saves all my money and blah, 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 blah. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Cause you're, cause you're 17, you're 18, yeah. you're 19 years old and you're dumb. Cause 19 year olds are dumb. We all were, uh, yeah, sorry. That, that was a long winded way, but a, a, a ridiculous part uh, of my past. It did. It legitimately taught me lessons of like, Hey, maybe don't piss all your money away. Um, oh, yeah. and then, you know, now I'm going to count it. So that's, <laughs> that's my day job. <laughs> so, uh, with all of that said, any, anything before we move on to our final, uh, topics
2: that no I mean I'll, I'll just be interested to see what what, what comes of this what you know if, if he has any sort of defense uh how this plays out uh hope the best for everybody in the situation I I don't yeah. really know what happened so it's it's just an ugly situation guys yeah, with, got a bur- he's got a broken face at the end of the day
0: <laughs> exactly without all the information uh you don't know whether to kind of come to the defense of Alan Kamara or try
2: to kind of you know, I'm say, usually wrong. Whatever I, whatever side I pick, I'm usually wrong. So I'm just... Yeah, just... We'll see. Hopefully
0: it works out for the best for everybody. Whatever yeah. that means. Uh, that's how I would put it. But finally here, we'll have a little fun wrapping up the show. Uh, we'll have some fun at Auburn's expense. Hmm. This is to see another program that is not the University of Tennessee have a total flame-out like this, or, I mean, what is the right word? An implosion like this, honestly, with the way this is going, is fun. Look, you could say karma's going to bite you, but has karma not bitten us enough at Tennessee have, have we not sacrificed enough at this point where maybe we can make fun of another school when nah. this happens what
2: can, to them? What can karma do at this point that it hasn't already <laughs> exactly. done? Exactly.
0: What are you going to do? Literally burn the school down? Like that's, I feel like that's the next thing. Karma. Nah, that,
2: no, Tennessee students have already tried to do that when Lane <laughs> Kiffin was fired, or when Lane Kiffin left, and that didn't, <laughs> that didn't happen. So, nah. Um, Bulletproof. Yeah, exactly.
0: What
1: are you going to do to me
0: that hasn't already been done? Um, Karma has come for Tennessee. So I'm going to laugh at Auburn's expense. Brian Harson, they hire him and spend I, the number that I've heard guys throw around is all things considered. Auburn essentially spent $23 million to go from Gus Malzon. To a season that is worse than any season that Gus Malzahn ever had. Gus Malzahn never had a losing season. Brian Harson's first season. They go six and seven and losing a bowl game to Houston. Um, and I it's tough for me on one hand, because I am certainly a proponent of firing guys before it gets too bad, which Auburn did in this scenario. It was just never that great with Malzahn. He just never could. Really get there, he reached the one national championship game. He lost, and just after that, it just wasn't you know. Occasionally, he would beat Alabama, and that was about as good as it ever got. Um, and so they make the move, kind of maybe hoping for like a Georgia Kirby Smart situation with Harson, and it just ain't working.
2: Well, it ain't happening. They they obviously fire Malzahn without really knowing, and that and that's yeah. part of that's part of the backstory here is the boosters for whatever reason because this would not have been any better wanted Kevin Steele, who was the interim head coach after after he, I think, kind of helped push Malzahn out the door, which is the more we learn about Kevin Steele's character, the more that that's, you know, not totally surprising. Uh, as, you know, an aside here, he took the Maryland defensive coordinator job and was on the job for about three days before he bolted from Miami. Not that I blame him for going to Miami, but anyway, the Boosters kind of wanted uh, Kevin Steele, Auburn's athletic director, not going to give in to them no matter what. Went and hired his guy. Didn't even know who his guy was. And he goes and gets Brian Harson, who just a weird fit from the beginning. I mean, I think that's what's kind of fun about all of this with Auburn is that we all saw it coming. We've been saying it since the moment he was hired that this is not going to end well. I've wrote several articles uh, in, I guess, December, January, and Harson's about to crash and burn. You know, the minute that Derek Mason left Auburn to be the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, seemingly a step down. Offensive coordinator leaves that he had just hired for personal reasons. I mean, it's, the whole thing's a disaster. So, it kind of feels like boosters are floating things behind the scenes, and they're kind of in this purgatory of, uh, we want to get rid of him but we don't want to pay him that $18 million buyout. It's kind of kind of like what Tennessee did with Jeremy Pruitt last year.
0: So the the latest <laughs> statement, this is a official statement from Auburn. I can't, I can't not believe it. Why would you do this? <laughs> Why would you do this? This is ear- earlier today on Monday. The Auburn administration is judiciously collecting information from a variety of perspectives including our student athletes and moving swiftly to understand any issues in accordance with university policies and procedures decisions regarding the future of Auburn and its athletics program, as always are made in the interests of our great university. And in fairness to all concerned, we do not make institutional decisions based on social media posts or media headlines, dude, (laughs) I mean, no, why would you do this? So what they're saying, here is that we are frantically behind the scenes looking for a way to fire this guy with cause. That is what they are doing um, is that people are running around like chickens with their head heads cut off um, in the administrative office at Auburn, searching for ways to get this guy out of the his contract. Um, and what they could have done is just said nothing. That's that's all you had to do. It's what so you just said it. It seems like. They're kind of taking a page out of the Tennessee playbook here. And this guy is sucking it up like Pruitt was. And Tennessee uh I think the story is not totally clear. It's a lot of hearsay. But the story supposedly is a staffer comes to compliance at Tennessee and says, "Hey, Pruitt is doing this and this and this McDonald's bags blah blah blah." And Tennessee goes, "Bing! This is the way out for this guy and they concoct this plan to get him out with cause. That's what they do. Ultimately, you end up with Josh Hype. It's messy for sure and is still messy to this very day. And they're bowing down to the NCAA, blah, blah, blah. But they use that and his ridiculousness with the NCAA cheating to get him out of his contract. And it seems like with Harson here, they don't have that easy of an out, but they have some of this. He's mistreating staffers potentially, he's mistreating players potentially like there's been some i've seen some folks saying things like that but um and and then the classic oh yeah he brings the staffer from boise state who just so happens that his personal assistant is a beautiful young woman uh who is a former boise state cheerleader and according to message boards on the old internet he was um Having relations with her, uh, and that is a part of this. Also, allegedly, supposedly, according to what has come out about all of this, and so it does. They, it seems like they're they're kind of taking the Tennessee tack here and going like, maybe we can get this guy that we hate and get him out of here without having to pay him this massive sum of money. But will they actually be able to do that?
2: Eh,
0: I'm. Not, we'll see. I they, I think they're. I I don't know. Maybe yeah, they can I, find I, something, but.
2: I don't think they're gonna be able to because apparently this dude does not cheat when it comes to recruiting and that might explain why something. he's in trouble.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but there was cheat.
2: uh somebody for ESPN wrote a story. Uh who was it? It just says ESPN. I guess it was a collaborative effort. They're like, he doesn't he doesn't he just doesn't cheat. He's he's clear about that he's not gonna cheat. Um so so they haven't, supposedly. And then he's not really mistreating people. He just isn't cool to work for. He's not say he's, he he's alienated people. Uh, he he's not just a fun guy to be around, I guess. And then you got reports, sources telling ESPN that he doesn't really value Auburn's traditions. He skipped Bo Jackson's charity golf tournament, which Auburn coaches are like expected to go mm-hmm. to. He's on vacation this week, national signing day was this week now Auburn didn't sign anyone this week but I mean you I don't know their number situation but you don't know what's gonna happen I mean it's national signing day is always a crazy week and unexpected things happen from time to time plus you could be spending that time going into high schools uh building relationships with coaches that's what Nick Saban was doing and he doesn't need to do that but he still does that. It's what Dabo Sweeney was doing. Uh, Dabo was in my hometown a couple of weeks ago doing that, just building relationships with, with coaches. And Brian Harson's on vacation somewhere doing God knows what, about to lose his job. <laughs> I mean, I can see why they, Auburn <laughs> wants to exit you know, and, and get away from him. But they've chose a really weird time to do it because if you fire him, or whatever happens right now, you know. The, maybe Kevin Steele comes back <laughs> and is the term head coach for for twenty twenty two. But as far as like hiring a coach, what do you? I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get a guy to leave after national signing day. It's just not gonna happen, you know. Unless they're in a really bad situation. Uh, like maybe Matt Rule, Panthers coach, maybe where he's trying to get out of that situation, go back to college. You know, they talked about he wanted he wanted the Michigan job if if Harbaugh left for the NFL. I mean, you can't predict what's going to happen with that. I mean, you're better off kind of getting through next year and then firing him when everybody knows you're going to. And he's going to want another job after this. So he's going to do what he can to kind of keep it 6-6 six and six or – as best as he can do where he can still get another job at you know the mountain west conference or wherever he chooses to go maybe he can go to the pac 12 that probably is the better scenario for auburn but they've made it so such an untenable situation at this point (sighs) that i don't see how he can stay i that's the thing how do you keep this guy at this point
0: you're gonna put out a statement like this like we read a minute ago it's basically like we're
2: coming up with a way to fire this guy. I mean, yeah. that's it's not what it said, but it's what it said. I mean, we've seen <laughs> the messages from the him. student. We've seen the messages from the student athletes on social media. Like eighty percent of it is not good towards him. I mean, they're kind of slamming this guy. You know what? Yep. This, we know what the student athletes are saying about him, and you're telling us you're going to the student athletes to see what they say. Well, we, I mean, we know where that leads. So it's bad. I, it's fun though. It's fun. I mean, I I think the the
0: real crux of it is what you were saying there. Recruiting is the whole thing now. It's the whole thing. Auburn finished the 2022 class lower than Tennessee, which there, you know, Auburn was not nearly as much of a dumpster fire. And they don't have the NCAA restrictions that supposedly, supposedly might be hampering Hypo at the moment. Um, where Tennessee is preemptively giving themselves scholarship yeah, reductions, yeah. and again, supposedly, allegedly, whatever, giving themselves scholarship reductions, like they don't have any of that hanging over the program. They finish 18th. Tennessee finishes 16th. An Auburn alum, the one with a lot of money, is going to look at that and be like, "Who is this clown? What are we doing?" And that, yeah, national signing day. This guy's on vacation because you you could squabble with the the culture of SEC football. For sure, it's not healthy for a family man to be a head coach at no. SEC school. You, you know, on, on one hand, you make a ton of money and there can be beautiful women around. It's, you know, there's one element there. Let go check in on, you know, Lane Kiffin's whole history as far as <laughs> that goes and stuff like that. Um, That's one element. But then you are, during the season, at the facility 24-7. You might as mm-hmm. well sleep there. I think a lot of guys do sleep there. Um, And then in the off season, you got to just be pounding the pavement recruiting. And if you're not, everybody's going to take notice. Everyone
2: else is too.
0: You know, for for a regular person that has a regular job like you and I do, Zach going on vacation is something. Yeah. I'm going to go on vacation. Clear my mind. It's a great time. I get away from work and then I come back and I'm refreshed and can get back to my work. No, that doesn't exist. For an SEC football coach, you don't go on vacation unless it is just literally nothing going on. And that is almost never. You just, that's not, that's the deal with the devil that you make to have that job. Again, you can think that's wrong to a certain extent. I mean, I would say I wouldn't want to be in that position. You make a ton of money, but that is not a job that I would want. And to get there, you basically have to live that life, but with a lot less money. Like I do, I just could never put up with that. Would never want to. And as a media member, I witnessed no, it from the outside. Special, it it drives it drives guys. Though. Yeah, it, it drives guys nuts. I mean, they they it gives honestly, that's if why the, you, the, it makes it makes some of these guys, it turns them into like sociopaths. Like some these, like you some of these guys just have no regard for anything. Um and that, well, that's what it can do to you.
2: You go one of two ways if you're an elite coach. You never stop. You go until it just about kills you. Like Nick Saban probably will, and like we've seen other guys that just can't stay away, Matt Brown at, at UNC, or you realize it's going to kill you, and you're like Bob Stoops or Chris Peterson at Washington, and you get out because you yeah. just you know you're about to self self implode. It is
0: a horrible
2: lifestyle. That it's is not rewarded. a great way of life. You almost don't even it's get not. to enjoy the millions of dollars you're making until you get unless you get fired and decide i'm done that's that's why i don't think i would ever understand the
0: mentality of like nick saban making making an amount of money in a single year that i look at at my station in life i look and i go give me 10 million bucks i wouldn't have to work another day in my life i could invest it in different ways I could, I could buy, you know, investment real estate and some things like that, that could give me residual money for the rest of my life. And I'm, I'm set. This guy is making that paycheck, doesn't get to enjoy it. And then says, I'm going to do this till the day I die. That's what kind I of a mentality
2: is that? That's I, psycho. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's why a psycho mentality. That's why I don't understand the contract talk. Whenever you talked about, well, like when Tennessee's looking for a coach, we'll just go pay this guy. Eight nine million dollars. I'm like, well, if he doesn't, he can get that where he's at or wherever. If they want to keep him, it's not about the money to these guys. I mean, they they're gonna get the most they can get, and it's good for their industry. You know, fellow coaches, they drive up the price. It's good for everybody. But yeah, it it, it's they're definitely not in it for the money. They're in it because, like you said, they're they're borderline sociopaths. (laughs) You have to be to a
0: certain extent it is just my Bruce
2: Arians might be one of the few coaches I've seen that is not that way where he demands that his staff takes time off and goes and spend time with their family and goes to little league games and recitals and uh believe it or not Steve Spurrier was kind of that way I think that's why he Hmm. he could kind of stay grounded uh because he was he played a lot of golf uh, he he ran his staff out of the building. Uh, at times he was he was hard to deal with, but he he did put a value on some of that personal time. I don't know if it was family time, but it was definitely. I'm gonna get away from this for a little bit. It
0: it's rare, but it does yeah. happen. Um, like you said, I mean Chris Chris Peterson is like the most obvious example that that I'll always remember, where he basically went like, "This is just not a way to live. I'm out of here. Yeah. I don't care. I made my money." Made the playoff, I'm good. And but then other coaches is just that's what they want to do till the day that they die. And more power to them. I I don't know, not me. Couldn't be me. I'm I'm happy for you. Uh I mean but, I'll
2: take the paycheck, but I do not I'm one, I couldn't do in, the job because I, I don't know far enough and I'm not that oh, type yeah. of person. But even if I was capable of it, yeah, I, I don't want that life either.
0: But circling that all the way back around, it appears that Brian Harson is kind of in our camp. <laughs> He is not that guy. (laughs) He doesn't want to be that guy. And it turns out he has been tasked with being that guy. Uh, And he's, you know, that's like I said, it is the deal with the devil that you make. I'm making five million bucks and I will never see my family. If I do see them, it will be inside the athletic facility where I am the coach. Like that is how it works, whether we like it or
2: not a great con on his part where he, he took this job. He saw the $18 million buyout. He's like, I'm going to do a year at Auburn and then I'm going to get fired. And I'm going to enjoy as many vacations as I want with their $18 million. I always say it, man, the best
0: job in America is being a fired college football coach, high level college football coach. Yeah. You get that $10 million buyout and just go, go make, 200,000 bucks being the wide receivers coach for the Cowboys. What up Derek Dooley? Yep. You know, and he just, he conned the system. What a genius. I guess Derek Dooley, his buyout wasn't that big, but like now with the buyouts that they are, you know, you can just get massive, massive amounts of money. And for what Pruitt, it would have been like 12, but he didn't get it. (laughs) Unfortunately for him. Uh, But yeah, like, it's it's a sweet deal if you can get it, but uh, it looks like Brian Harson might. I'm I'm genuinely like on the edge of my seat to see where this goes. From outside, I hope not they having drag to it out emotionally. Please oh drag yeah, drag it
2: out. Yeah, this I was... don't want a quick resolution. I want them to drag it out, and I want them looking for a coach in March <laughs> and seeing what would happen with that. Fascinating, mm-hmm. absolutely fascinating. This was the worst. They have no one there that can take over. Everyone's left.
0: Yeah. I mean, who are you going to, who's going to be in charge? Uh, and th- like this as a reporter on the team, for the team, a reporter for the team, like this was the worst period always oh, it was yeah. the waiting on the coach to get fired. You know, it's sour. You know, it's done. It's over. We're all, let's be honest. Auburn is clearly figuring out a way to fire this guy. And you just have to sit here and wait. To see what they do. I mean, this is what we did, what, yeah, a year ago? A year ago, yeah. Exactly a year ago. I mean, we already said, they're, they're basically taking a page out of Tennessee's book, except Tennessee to, just never made a statement or anything. To, Tennessee to didn't let about, it out there.
2: Took us about a month until we finally got oh, a resolution.
0: It was so and bad, and we were we were saying all that stuff where we were like, well, everything that we're hearing is indicating that this guy is going to get canned. Uh, and then
2: there was a whole other set of people being like,
0: he's going to be the coach next year. You they guys are almost,
2: I mean, they had us entertaining the possibility that he could return. It lasted so long. It's like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe I, well, uh,
0: sorry to media at Auburn. That sucks for you. Um, yeah, but yeah. I'm having a good time. <laughs> I'm, um, no, it actually, it's, it is. It's tough on your, your psyche, as a reporter, on that or talking about it on radio or podcast, but it's good for ratings. No, oh, yeah. you can't say that. Absolutely. People love, people love hearing about it, boy. Um, well, that's all I think. Big Orange Podcast, Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Anything to wrap it up for the good folks at home, Zach? That uh, that we haven't said already.
2: Well, well, since we're at the end of the show, I feel like I could bring this up. What is your quick reaction on the report that Aaron Rodgers is not an option for the Titans.
0: Not happy about it. Uh, I can tell you that much. So yeah, I mean, if you're listening this far, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you for listening. We, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, yeah, let's just get into this shortly. Um, pisses me off to no end because I here's the two things that have to be true. Mike Vrabel is the coach of the year in the NFL this year. He did an incredible feat with how many injuries he had Mm -hmm. and winning the or uh, having the number one seed in the AFC. It's incredible. I literally, I don't know. It's kind of like beyond comprehension the way that he did that. Also, Ryan Tannehill ain't going to win us anything. It is obvious he's done this two years in a row and really even during the run to the AFC championship game, it was Derek Henry that was carrying yeah. that whole train. It wasn't Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill wasn't having big, big games or anything. And still Derek Henry is such a huge part of the whole deal. Uh, Tannehill stinks. Well, I don't know he stinks. That's a little, that's a little too far. He's yeah. just not a super bowl winning quarterback period. He just is not. That's the way that it is. So you have to make a play for somebody. And not only do they come out and essentially quash the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, I could live with that. It would have been a giant stretch to get Aaron Rodgers. You would have had to just sell your soul to get him. But you got some options out there. Russell Wilson being the main one where I look and be like, you wouldn't have to give as much. They would probably take Tannehill and draft a quarterback, potentially. Like, it it's a move. It, that would actually make sense for Green Bay, too, but Wilson is not as valuable currently as, as Aaron Rodgers, And maybe you could make it work, but like they come out and give the vote of confidence to Ryan Tannehill. And I just go, are we just giving up? Is that what we're doing? Just phoning it in, just going up. Oh, well, we're not going to win anything. And then for Todd Downing, the dump ass OC, they go. And instead of firing him and getting a new guy, they give him like a backup in, uh, in Tim Kelly. It's
2: like insurance plan. Yeah.
0: What is that? What the heck is that going to do? Nothing. It's so that you can fire them both next year. That's, I mean, and it's the same strategy. They did it with the defense last year. They brought in Jim Schwartz to back up Shane Bowen, who couldn't handle it, and then it worked out well. The defense switched somehow, and we ended up with the best defensive line in football, arguably. Um, But barring a miracle like that, I... I'm so annoyed, but it is at the end of the day. I mean, it's just Rabel digging his own grave. I think you just,
2: you know, I think the what the frustrating part of it is, and I'm not a Titans fan, so just looking from the outside, is you see what the Rams did, where they knew that Jared Goff wasn't going to get them to where they wanted to go, and that was a very surprising move that they pulled off to bring Stafford in, and look at how it's paid off. Like I think the Rams will beat the Bengals because I think. Stafford can do things Tannehill can't do. Cooper Cup is just playing out of his mind. And then that defensive line is going to eat up Joe Burrow just like the Titans did. And, and you know, I think the Rams will be able to capitalize offensively more because um, they got a better play caller in Sean McVay that calls plays there. So I, like, look, you see that, and it's it's probably gonna pay off for the Rams and the Titans. Super Bowl window is not going to be open for a long time. It, I feel like it's wide open in 2022. It is there. You just need a step up at quarterback because that was the only thing missing this year. Um. So if you do the same thing and you expect these different results, how much of a letdown is that going to be when it's you go into the, the second year or, or this next year and, and you commit to Tannehill and Downing, and it's just the exact same thing all over again. And you blow your opportunity. That's a that's a huge letdown. You're just you these chances don't come around that often, and and that's they're they're just going to let it go by. That that's exactly it. I mean, I I said of the situation,
0: I want to take advantage of this window. You put, you maybe have two yeah two more for, years for sure your, next year with for sure next year. Derek Henry is at his peak two, maybe three years. And that's, I mean, the, the shelf life on a great running back is just so short. They get hit so much Mm -hmm. two maybe three years and he's, he's going to be rebuilt and ready to go next year. Uh, and you just, how is this the mentality to just stick by? I said, it's what the predators did actually, when they made the, the Stanley cup, uh, and then won the president's trophy the next year they they were close but not there and the gm at that point said this is good enough to win a cup it it didn't it wasn't bolstered enough to like really be the roster it wasn't it wasn't that good but it was like good enough to get there but it wasn't the best and he could have punched it up and he didn't cuz he said this core is really strong we need to keep them together bah, 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 bah. and look how that turned out it was all downhill from there. They haven't been back in that situation again. Haven't gotten farther than the first round of the playoffs, which hello, somebody, same exact thing happening with the Titans. Um, it's a, it's a poverty franchise mentality. And it, it's, it exactly plays into what people think of the Titans, which is what makes me probably the most ill about the situation is because it's just like, we have a chance. You have the best D line in football. If you're able to keep it together, Linebackers who are having a revelation, you know, David Long is suddenly playing out of his mind, and you weren't really getting that before. And like the defense is just shaping up in in this way where it's it's a Super Bowl level defense without a doubt. And then the offense, you have all of these levels that are Super Bowl level at every single position
2: except quarterback.
0: And you just go, that's the one thing. Just fix the one thing,
2: and it's, right there. What's crazy about it to me is that going after that loss to the Bengals, I thought, okay. Obviously, Tannehill's cap number, salary cap makes it makes it challenging with the dead cap hit that he carries. Especially if they don't do anything until you know, if they do, wait till after June first. It's a little more manageable. But obviously, that's what's wrong. Well, you've seen this franchise fire Mike Malarkey after a winning season and and a playoff win, right? And uh, then you see him go. Get Ryan Tannehill when everybody kind of knows that Marcus Mariota is not really going to be the guy. They kind of make a bold move, and it was a good deal. for The Titans, the way that, that Miami made that deal and paid a lot of his salary. And then you see him go to Julio Jones this offseason. I mean, you see them make these moves that are are bold, uh, and that, that's what they now. And then they're just like, no, we're we're good. We're going to keep on. And I, it, it definitely feels like a money thing because of the cap hit. I mean, I know it would be challenging, but that's what you got to do. Maybe, you know, maybe that is the entire thing where they just
0: feel like they would have to get rid of some of the most important pieces to make it happen, and we just have to
2: see if Tannehill can do it or what. Cut, man, cut Taylor Lewan and save $12 million. Hello, somebody. <laughs> I Dude,
0: Lewan is essentially on...
2: I don't want to say he's on the outs, but he is a piece that could be gone. Yeah. There's kind of a 13, few. Of these. It's like thirteen million that they save if they let him go right now. And he knows it. I mean he's he said it on one oh four point five uh last week. He's a very aware of the situation.
0: So maybe, maybe they're just being nice about Tannehill publicly and they're trying to figure
2: it out behind the scenes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, I you're not know. going to come out and say, Hey, yeah, we're moving on from this guy. I mean, we've heard people get yeah, no. back before publicly. And then all of a sudden they're gone in a trade. I mean, that's pro sports. So and we'll have to wait and see how, how it plays out. We shall see. I, I don't know, but as it sits,
0: it does not have my stamp of approval. I would put it <laughs> that way. Uh, Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan, the A to Z sports, big orange podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Audience is growing every week, man. So awesome. The pre and now we're going to start putting clips on YouTube. Hopefully going to see if that gets us. Anything gets us anywhere. That's the, that's like the cool thing to do. It's like what Joe Rogan does. Don't, don't take us off of Spotify or whatever. I, I get the, I bet. P- people don't like my coaching hot takes. We're going to get, uh, you know, Kin- Kenny Chesney, supposedly a Tennessee fan. He's going to be like, I'm not putting out any new music on Spotify until they remove Charlie Burris off of Spotify.
2: <laughs> God, they'd probably pull the hook so fast.
0: <laughs> no, it's what's uh, Mor- Morgan Wallen. He's, he's a Tennessee guy. He's an yeah, obstacle yeah, guy. Yeah, there you yeah, go. yeah. He's going he's gonna to be like, get this this garbage off of Spotify or else I'm pulling my music. And Morgan Wallen would have been that one, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening that's it for us at charlie underscore bros that's at, TNT, at a to z sports a to z sports.com and facebook.com slash a to z sports natural the a to z sports podcast network feed rate review subscribe blah, blah 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 that's the whole thing thanks again for listening and we'll talk to y'all next week
2: see you guys later get out